speaking, the Lord said, we will turn back to the portion of scripture that we read together in the Gospel according to John and chapter 14, and we shall read from the beginning. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many wounds. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. A few thoughts upon uh, these uh, words. This is part of the discourse that uh, took place in the upper room where Christ has assembled his disciples with him, where they are going to keep the Passover and also where they're going to institute uh, the Lord's Supper. And uh, here he is identifying to them the one who is going to betray him. In fact, by the time the words that we have taken this morning, uh, Judas Iscariot has left uh, the room. And he has also identified that there is one of them going to uh, deny him. And then he tells them that he is going to leave him. And so the disciples really were in great distress for all that Christ had indicated to them in uh, the upper room regarding the one who was to betray him, the one who was going to deny him, and the fact that he was also going to leave them. Their world was beginning to collapse around them. They were undoubtedly bewildered, perplexed, confused, and filled with anxiety. Their expectation of the messianic kingdom uh, was shattered. Their expectation was a messiah who would be a conqueror, a kind of superhero who would set up his kingdom and who would rule from Jerusalem. But instead Jesus was talking to them about dying and dying in the most horrific way. How could the disciples reconcile that with their expectation. <coughs> and what also about themselves? Was he going to lead them among those who hated him and who also hated them? Was he going to lead them in the midst of this hostile environment because it was certainly a dangerous time and a dangerous time to show any loyalty towards uh, Jesus? Perhaps Jesus was seeing this concern on their faces. And because he loved them, he proceeds here to comfort them. He says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Here is Jesus and he is totally absorbed with the needs of his uh, 11 disciples. Because Judas has now left them. There's just himself and the eleven. 
And one would say, well, how could they not be troubled by what he has uh, disclosed to them? Jesus says to them, believe in God, believe also in me. He is urging them to continue to <coughs> believe in God and to continue to believe also in him. He, he is not out to trick them or to deceive them. He will fulfill all that he has promised to them. And although the disciples, uh, things were looking so dark and so confusing and so perplexing, yet they were to continue believing in him. Then he goes on to tell them or give reasons why they should calm their hearts. He spells that out to them in verse 2 and 3, which is going to be our main focus this morning. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. He tells them, that his divine purpose of leaving them involved their arrival in heaven. He was reassuring them that his death and leaving them would not derail their hope of being in his kingdom with him and being in heaven with him. In fact, he tells them that this leaving them would be only to make heaven ready for them. I go, he says, to prepare a place for you. Well, what is your own view of heaven? How do you imagine heaven? There are some who think that it is just a pie-in-the-sky philosophy where a person in face of trials, turns his back upon uh, the world and imagines this, this, this paradise, this place of delights. They, some would say that it's only a, a figment of the imagination. Others will say that in our scientific age to have any thoughts about heaven is absolute nonsense. Our secular nation calls heaven just a speculation. For some, especially those of us who are older, perhaps our thoughts and interest in heaven is intensified because so many of those whom we met and loved and knew are now there. They are no longer with us here in our earthly pilgrimage. They have been taken home. They are in heaven. D.L. Moody speaks of a man who testified near the end of his life that sometimes it seemed to him that he knew more persons in heaven than he did on earth. However, there are many pictures given to us in the Bible of heaven. It is likened to a city. It is likened to a better country, to a place of rest. 
Jesus on the cross, he called heaven, and he called it paradise, the place of true delights. It is the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness will dwell. But here, Jesus employs a title uh, for heaven that is only used by him. He calls it the Father's house. And that very title itself that Jesus gives to heaven brings along with it great comfort. You can recall yourself when you're away, whether it be at work or at college or whatever, how it was such a wonderful opportunity to come back home. And that is the way Jesus is speaking to them. He is telling them that he is actually going back home. He is going back to the Father's house. He's going back to where he came from. And he's going there to prepare a place for them. That they also will be with him. That is his great desire that his people be with him where he is. Later on when he brings this discourse to conclusion by praying to the Father, he says to the Father, I will that those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, the glory that you have given uh, to me. Jesus himself is, is filled with joy at returning to the Father. And his great desire is that all his disciples in all ages will be with him where he is. There is an old song that goes, This world is not my home. I am just and passing through. How true for the person who has put his trust in Christ. He is a stranger and a pilgrim in this world, for heaven is his home. We are journeying on towards our Father's home. We are all on a journey to our long home. But for the believer, for the person who trusts in Christ, he is on his way to his father's home. We are told regarding Abraham that he looked for a city which had foundations his builder and maker is God. In the, the authorised version it says in my father's house are many mansions. We may wonder why the word mansion was used by the translators of the AV because it is evident that it's impossible to have many mansions inside a house. In my father's house are many homes. I think that the Lord Jesus is here using what was in the culture of his own day, in the culture of Palestine. And he's bringing uh, that tradition that was there and he is bringing it here before uh, the disciples. 
Because in that culture, in that tradition, in the time of Jesus, when uh, a person would be betrothed, the man would go back to his father's house. <coughs> and there he would build an extension on to his father's house. And when that extension was ready, he would come back and he would receive his bride and he would take the bride along with him to the extension that he had built to his father's home. We know that Jesus uses that image time and time again in the parable of the ten virgins we have that image brought uh, before us and I think he's using that imagery here when he's comforting his uh, disciples regarding the fact that he is going to leave them and that they are going uh, to be uh, in a hostile environment but they are to be comforted uh, in the fact that he has left them in order to prepare a place for them that is he left them physically he was no longer going to be walking with them as he had done for around three years there is a sense in which, as this chapter itself says, he was not going to lead them as orphans. He was going to come and dwell with them uh, through the Holy Spirit. His Spirit was going to come and indwell in them. But physically, he was going to leave them. Their knowledge of him was going to be somewhat different from now on. They would have to live by faith. And he was going to lead them in order to prepare a place for them. In my father's house, there are many homes. Jesus is here talking of heaven as a single glorious home with enough dwelling places to take the complete family of God. Jesus is here, as it were, urging upon them not to confine their attention to the, the, the visible and the temporal, but to think of heaven. In the midst of all their troubles and all their testings from a hostile world, they were to be heavenly centered. In the midst of all the upheaval and turmoil <coughs> of our own present day, the believer, the Christian, should not be alarmed. For he knows that God is working out his own purpose. And that includes bringing his children home to himself. We should not be alarmed at the hostility of the world to us. That hostility will remain. And it will be there to the end. With all the confusion and turmoil of our world. Yet this we know. And in here we rest. And in here we calm our hearts. That we know that God is working out his own purpose. And in the midst of all that is happening... You are involved and I am involved because he's working out his purpose and that includes bringing me home to himself. Let not 
your hearts be troubled. How often the Bible exhorts us to be heavenly mindedness. Paul says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, and not on the things on earth. And again he says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told that to be heavenly minded is to be spiritually minded. Or to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Is it wrong for us to desire heaven? We sometimes use the phrase that a person is so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly use. Well, I don't think that that is a measurement at all of a person's spirituality. The Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome and he wrote a letter to the church at Philippi. Who, and he was, the church, they were so concerned for Paul. And in his letter, he told them to rejoice. And he went on to say, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labour. Yet what shall I choose? I would not. For I am straight between two, having a desire to be, depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And I think that's, that is the attitude that we should always show. Paul loved the Lord and he yearned for the Lord's company. And he knew that for his own personal enrichment to be with Christ was far better. But then there was a church at Philippi which as far as he could st see still needed his ministry. And Paul believes that it, it could be the will of the Lord that this need should be considered paramount. Such is Paul's love for his fellow believers and desire for their spiritual advantage that he is willing to abide in the flesh and to postpone heavenly glories. And I think that our attitude should be to have a desire indeed to be in heaven, but at the same time as the Lord wills to be of use, the fullness in serving here on earth. Yes, we have a desire to be with Christ, yet we must not forget our usefulness and serving the Lord here on earth. The desire for heaven should not distract us from serving the Lord here on earth. In fact, if anything, it should ought to be a, a motivation for us for more service to the Lord, to do more for the Lord. It ought to be a great motive for our evangelism, for there is hell to gain and a hell to shun. We should go out more and uh, we should witness more. 
if we believe that that um, that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, then we should be the more earnest in serving the Lord to our lost world. One of the commentators says the need of the church weighs heavier with him than the desire of his own soul. That's how poor that was his attitude. The need of the church weighs heavier with him than the desire of his own soul. In my father's house are many votes. Of course, this also points us uh, to the eternal reunion of Jesus and his people. It is customary for family members to, to meet together in a family house on, on special occasions. We come together as families. Similarly, the Father's house will be the place where all the children of the Lord will meet, where all the family will meet. There's a phrase often used in the Old Testament in conjunction with the death of the patriarchs. We find this phrase, and he was gathered to his people. For instance, in Abraham, it says of Abraham that Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man, and full of years, and was gathered to his people. The same is said of Isaac. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered into his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. The same is said of Jacob. And when Jacob made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. The same regarding the first high priest of Israel, Aaron. Aaron shall be gathered into his people, for he shall not enter into the land which I have given unto the children of Israel, because he rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah. And regarding Moses, the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into this mount, and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel, and when thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother was gathered. Now some Old Testament scholars say that this phrase is nothing more than just a conventional way of saying that they died. Remember how David in losing his son said, I will go to him, but he cannot come to me. I will go to him, but he cannot come to me. The saints gathered to their people. In heaven all the children of God shall meet together. And all the children of God shall recognize each other. We shall see each other not as we are now or as we have been, but as we were meant to be. We shall all be in his likeness. Paul says regarding the church of the Thessalonians, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Well, I can only take from that that he would know the Thessalonians among whom he had 
labored. He would be able to recognize them. In my father's house are many rooms. The family will be gathered <coughs> together. In Revelation 21, John says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Who is this tabernacle of God who is with men? It is Jesus, the one who made flesh, and the one who tabernacled among us. To be in heaven is to be forever with the Lord. At one stage there were no residents from the earth in heaven. But the day arrived when Abel reached the Father's house. And since he entered, many others have joined with him. There is, of course, Enoch and Elijah who came in a unique manner without having to taste death. But they all discovered that there was a personal room for each of them, a personal place for each of them. The Bible says that there is a place reserved. You know, when you go into a restaurant, you've booked your play table and they put a reserved ticket on the table. It's kept there for you. And if you are a child of God today, there's a place with a reserved ticket on it in heaven. And it's reserved for you. It is reserved for you. So here Jesus turns to his disciples and says that one of the reasons he's leaving them to go is to prepare a place for them. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I go to prepare a place for you. Well, this statement has often been taken as a reference to the work done by the Saviour on the cross, that he was uh, indicating that he was going to the cross in order to prepare a place uh, for them. And that is uh, true. The cross was something that had to take place. It's part of the preparation. There are others who think there is some form of heavenly activity which he is engaged in preparing a, a particular place for each of his disciples or each of his people in the Father's house. Well, we know that heaven already existed when Jesus spoke in these words. So he wasn't going away to create heaven for them. Heaven was there. But rather everything he would do from his death, from his cross to his second return would constitute the preparations that was to be put in place for his people to join him. There was his own presence in heaven. As he returned to the Father's house, he brought something into heaven with him. 
He brought that nature that he took to himself. He brought human nature into heaven with him. And that was part of the preparation. His own presence in heaven in our <coughs> nature. And he set that nature in the midst of the throne of God. And it wasn't out of place. And because that nature is there in the midst of the throne, we have no boldness and confidence to come and to seek mercy and grace in time of need. Because that majestic throne has become a throne of grace for us. But I think part of the preparation was not only in regards to the place heaven, but it is also connected uh, with the earth. And what do I mean by that? Well, he sent his spirit to indwell in us. And what is the spirit doing? The Spirit is preparing us for our heavenly home. Preparing us for our heavenly home. The Spirit is, is moulding us and uh, forming us and remaking us to be fit for our heavenly home. And that is part of the preparation. He says, it is good for you that I go. Now the disciples, how could they understand that? Because it is only by leaving you that I will send the Spirit. He will take of my things and show it unto you. He will glorify me. He will prepare you for the heavenly home. I go to prepare a place for you. Sometimes we perhaps focus too much upon the word Prepare. When we perhaps should focus more upon the word for you. I go to prepare a place for you. The emphasis is on the fact that there's a place in the Father's home for you. One reason why those who believe in Jesus should not be troubled by adverse circumstances or when the future is uncertain is that they personally have a home in heaven. I go to prepare a place for you. It is personal. Jesus tells his disciples that when he has finished preparing a place for them, he will come and he will take them there. I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Jesus spoke of several returns during this discourse. He spoke of his return after his resurrection and before his ascension to, to heaven. Other times he spoke to them of his coming to them as we already spoken of through the Holy Spirit after his ascension and before his second coming. But other times he spoke to them of his second coming. Which of these is in you here? Well, I think this promise has uh, two fulfillments. Or perhaps three. 
He comes to us through the Holy Spirit and He dwells in us. And He comes to us at our death. And He comes to us at His second coming. Do you ever thank God for the great promise you have that He is going to return? When you go through hard times, when everything seems so confusing and perplexed, that you know He is coming for me. He is coming for me. And on every occasion, Jesus will welcome because He will receive them unto Himself. I think it's beautiful the way that Bible speaks of the what Stephen saw as he was being stoned in the book of Acts. We very often speak of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father as a symbolic of his finished work, that he that the work is complete. The high priest in, in the tabernacle never sat down. There's no chairs there. They never sat down. They're all standing and serving. But Jesus, our great high priest, when he finished his work, when he made the atonement, he sat down because the work was complete. But see, when Stephen sees him, is he sitting down? No, he's not. He is standing to receive him. Now we know that when somebody comes into our company, uh, it is good manners, is it not, to stand to greet them. And we're really honouring them when we stand to, meet, to greet them. And that's the way Jesus will meet his people. He will honour them. He will stand and he will greet them into the Father's room, their home, the family home. The family home. The Saviour welcome. To be permanently forever in his presence. To be his eternal companions, enjoying his fellowship, experiencing his provision, sharing the inheritance with them. And he says, if it were not so, I would have told you. What he is saying to them is, trust my promises. Let not your heart be troubled. Trust my promises. What a reassurance those words must have been to the frightened disciples that dark night. As surely as Jesus was leaving, he would come again in person to receive them personally into the place that he has prepared for them. What a prospect for poor, sinful, weak creatures. Remember how we read that Jesus led his disciples as far as Bethany and then he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven until a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And we are told that the return to Jerusalem on Mount Olivet was great joy. And my friends, that ought to be our joy. He is coming back. Mm -hmm. He is coming back. And he is coming back to receive us. To be forever 
with the Lord. Paul wanted to Titus says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Well, do you have a home? Are you one for whom Jesus has gone to prepare a place in heaven? We are all on the journey to our own home, but where will that be? Depends on our relationship with God. If we are in a reconciled relationship with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, then we have this living hope. We have this great promise. We trust in the finished work of Christ in the cross. We trust that he has gone to prepare a place for us. Paul says we rejoice in the midst of all our troubles and problems and burdens and hard times. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We spoke there of the tradition in Palestine of when two became betrothed. And betrothal was something similar to our engagement, but it was far deeper than that. In fact, they were looked upon as being married. The only difference is they were not living together. Because when they became betrothed, the man would go back, as I've already said, to his father's house. And we begin building an extension onto the family home. An extension for himself and for his bride. And the bride would stay at her own home, but we are told that she always had a lamp by her side. The lamp was there ready in case he, when, in case he would come during the night. And the cry would go out, the bridegroom come up. And so she would light up the lamp and go out to meet her. You see that image in the parable of the, of the, of the, of the virgins. But then when the extension was complete, he would come back to receive the bride. And he would take his bride with him to the place that he had prepared. And there was the marriage supper of the Lamb. My friends, if you're in Christ today, we have been betrothed to him. We are, uh, we are betrothed to him. We are betrothed to the beloved. Yes, he is preparing a place for us. And when that is ready, he will come. And he will receive us. And we will go into the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage there, the marriage supper of the Lamb, to, to be partakers of the great provision that he has made for us. So he says to me and you today, as we perhaps are filled perhaps with fear, perhaps, or anxiety, or our or minds as well, that these days were good, that was a pleasant, joyful, wonderful weekend. Under the, the, the power of the word of God and in fellowship with his people at his table, remembering the cost of our salvation, it was so wonderful. 
the king was present at his own table. But now, this, these days are over, and I'm now going out into a world that is not friendly, very hostile. I'm going out to a world that is so full of temptations, and I am afraid that I might fall into a world that is so full of troubles and, and confusion and what not. Well, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What I have promised, I will fulfill. And I am telling you that in my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I am not going to trick or deceive you. And I am going to prepare a place for you, for you personally. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare, I am coming back again. Yes, he's coming back again. He's coming back for his bride. And he's going to receive her. And he's going to take her to where he is. I will that they who thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's his desire in heaven. You know, it's not a wonderful thought to think that there is a desire in heaven today that's concerned with you and me. And that desire is in the heart of the God-man, Jesus Christ. And it concerns me and you because he wants you and me to be where he is. The tradition says that when the sun would be building the extension to the home of his father was still living, his father would have to come and approve of the work that was done and only then could the son go to receive his bride. But at the father's appointed time the son would come to receive his bride and to take his bride to be with him where he is. I will come again and will take you to myself you may be also. Let not your hearts be troubled. May the Lord bless our thoughts. Eternal unto us. blessed God, we give thanks unto thee for all the promises that thou hast left to thy church, to thy bride. We give thanks unto thee that by faith we have been betrothed to thee that thou art preparing a place for us and at the appointed time that thou shalt come to receive us to be with thyself so that the same will be fulfilled we shall be forever uh, with the Lord O Lord you know that we are going out into a hostile world let not our hearts be troubled let us lean upon thine own promises that thou art coming back that thou art returning and coming back to receive thy own. Mm -hmm. O Lord, we give thanks that we can have that living hope and that we can rejoice in the <coughs> of the glory of God. We ask, O Lord, that thou would continue with us, that thou would bless us in the days that lie ahead, that would bless our time of fellowship and communion, and may it indeed be a time of encouragement for us when 
we sit and we pray to God on what has been and to do that thou wast with us. We ask these things for the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. We shall conclude our service by singing to the Lord's praise from the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I not want, he makes me down to lie. In pastures green he doth me, the quiet waters by. My soul he doth restore again, and me to walk at me within the paths of righteousness, even for the soul he will see. Yea, though I walk in death's dark veil, yet will I fear no hell. For thou art with me, and thy rod, and staff me comfort still. My table thou hast furnished in presence of my foes. My head thou dost with oil anoint, and my cup overflows. Goodness and mercy all my life shall surely follow me. In God's house forevermore my dwelling place shall be. We shall sing the whole psalm to the Lord's praise. The Lord's my shepherd, I not want. He makes me down to lie. <laughs> the Lord's my shepherd, I
Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>